If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Alessandro Giuliani, Dr. Emil Hamilton on Smallville, and you are listening to Always Hold On to Smallville. Enjoy. Welcome to Always On to Smallville. In this podcast, we talk about each and every episode of The Young Superman Show that ran from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. I'm your host, Zach Moore, and this time I'm joined by, from Pick a Disc, Mr. Matt Latham. What's up, Matt? Hi, Zach. Glad to be back. Welcome back to the show. It's been a couple of seasons. Yeah. Uh, you skipped over season eight, which I, some people would say, good call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I, that's yeah that's where i bowed out i think um it was uh was it re is it reunion or re, is it oh which episode is it the the lana the famous one the last oh. episode yes requiem yeah requiem that was it yes that's the that's the episode i i phased out of and of smallville and stopped watching it i we've all been there <laughs> so I mean, yeah. not everybody. I've been there, right? Yeah. Doomsday for me, <laughs> which was season eight. It's funny. Um, even though you skip season eight, we're going to talk some season eight here because we yeah. go back into season eight. And it's a, this this episode. I remember being a little underwhelmed by it at the time, uh, even though I do love season nine as a whole. I was like, well, you didn't really answer any of those questions you set up. And I feel like you didn't really put a lot of effort into trying to make anything make sense. And I still feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> so this should be a fun conversation. Yeah. Um, where are you here on on Smallville season nine? Where does it rank for you? This era of the show, because because you went <sighs> back in the day, you went through a very in depth rewatch and you did reviews, and you were really into plugging plugged in. And I and I yeah, as, as, as someone else who was doing the same thing, you, <laughs> I, I respect that. So what yes. is your ranking and thoughts on on where we are now in the series? Out of context, because. It, it won't be me on this podcast if I don't ramble for a, a too long, for a bit longer than <laughs> I should have do. But um, yeah, so season nine is interesting for me because 
the first the first time I watched season nine was when I went through a rewatch of the whole season because you started this podcast. So when you first when you first started this podcast, um, I started watching this, the show as a whole all the way through. Um, and this was back when I used to do the bottle episode blog, and I and I was and I was doing kind of mini reviews of the episodes and stuff, and um, I was going to go completely through and. It, this was must have been 2015, 2016. Uh, 2016 so, is when we launched the podcast. So not long after that is when you might have uh, started. So it's probably 2016, 20, early 2017 then. Because it took me a good eight months to rewatch the whole thing. But um, yeah, so yeah, so I got to season nine eventually through that rewatch. I, as I said, I stopped at Requiem and watched the last half of season eight for the first time back then and realized I made the right decision. Uh, and then, <laughs> then I decided to watch season nine and it was, it would be, uh, I came back and started watching Smallville again. It was, I think it was the 200th episode homecoming, which I think was episode four of season 10. That's so that's correct. when I came that's back. Correct. In, I, that's when I going back into it because they said, Oh, it's the final season. So I thought, you know what, you know what? I spent eight and a half years of it. I might come back into it, watching be Superman, see him in the suit, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed, yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but yeah, so so season nine, completely blank, apart from what I kind of, from things that I kind of read online and what I briefly knew about. So I knew Zod was in it. Um, I, knew, I knew Callum Blue was in it, and I only knew him from Dead Like Me. But other than that, um, I really didn't know anything about it. Um, so I wasn't, so... I was coming into it season season eight, and Doomsday was appalling. Uh, Doomsday, I yeah, was appalling, that was so. my requiem for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so start so started season. I thought, okay, I'll start season nine. And as I was watching season nine, I kind of know I was feeling much filled with regret for not watching it in the first in the first instance because I think season nine, and I don't know whether this might be because I watched it in the court space of two weeks and binged it, or I added hindsight or the fact it was a novelty of having new Smallville episodes that I've never seen before. But I think season nine is the best season of the second half of the show. Um, I agree with you on that. I, I think there's by far, <laughs> by far the best season of the second half of the show. Yeah. And I, th- there's, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, and I think it, it's, it's very much an outlier compared to everything, everything else. It's, it's it, it, quite funny. It's that it's the only season that has nothing to do with the Luthers. There is no yes, things in I it. say that all the time. I'm like, if you told me the one season of the show, the only one that has no Lex and Lionel in it, and you, if you told me that'd be one of my favorite seasons, if not you know, what I consider maybe the, the, the strongest season start to finish, I'd be like, you're insane. But somehow they found a way. And after I finished it, I, I gave it a bit of thought, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this. I think, and I think it's because it plays on the ultimate strength of Smallville in that the best relationships that the show seems to like exploring is those of his primary antagonists. So the, the Lex, the Clark Lex relationships, the best thing about it, Lex is, is often seen as the best thing about Smallville. And some of the better episodes are based on the relationship of that. And it feels so fresh that the show kind of almost did. And it's, this would not be an episode of small of always on Smallville if I don't bring up Buffy, but um, hey, Buffy honestly <laughs> had like an almost soft reboot every season with a brand new enemy in a brand new situation. It felt like that. So you, 
so it basically had a self-contained series where Clark was developing a relationship with the future foe. And because it had no, didn't really need to tie itself to any overarching story with the Luthers or any ongoing stuff, it was able to tell a, a single kind of closed off story for 22 episodes focusing on his relationship with Zod. And I think that was quite refreshing. And it, and it kind of, you kind of think, oh, can you think of any other, it'd be like any other kind of villains, it might be nice to like, I know, as much as it's, it's easy to say, sack off Lex um, and focus on someone else. It, it makes sense. If, if they just didn't bother with all the, the Lex stuff in season eight and just focused more on the Davis-Clark relationship, then in, in a similar way to how he dealt with Zod, then I think season mm-hmm. eight would have been a much stronger story, a much stronger season, I think. Oh, and- 100%. I, and I think they had this, this hope that, oh, we'll, we'll get Michael back. And mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> yeah. And I think, and, and being free of that, I think it gave the, gave the writers, I think, a sense of freedom, more or less, that they think, okay, let's try doing something different. And uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a shame it happened too late in the show for this. Um, but I think season nine was perhaps what they should have been doing post season five in that, okay, they're going more comic book. Let's call us drop out years, do this yeah, instead. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Let's focus on perhaps a story with an established villain because yeah, I mean, I mean, he's already friends with Lex, so they've already gone their own way. Um, let's just do our own thing and focus on other stories. So why not? I mean, they tried to do it with doomsday, but they failed, <laughs> but yes. um, let's do it with like, other there's other superman villains who i can't think of any that i can't think of any at the moment but uh like well there's not many that can do a whole season arc even big ones like metallo or mixes bellic or bizarro like you cannot cover a whole season they can't just lead a whole season the way a zod can mm-hmm. or a you know in the right way maybe a doomsday and you know they you saw what they did with dark side so <laughs> I still, I yeah, I still have no idea what Darkseid's supposed to be. So that's my comic knowledge. I've got no idea. <laughs> so I've got no idea how close or how not. In my in my head, in my head, I've always and correct me if I'm wrong. I always my assumption of Darkseid is something similar to Galactus. Yes, that's a that's a good analogy. A Galactus or a Thanos. Yeah, it's funny. The Smallville Darkseid is much like the Galactus from the Fantastic Four movies from the two thousands. Okay. You know, it's this it's this cloud, right? And like the, when something is too big for to be understood on conventional villain terms, they just turn it into like a it's a force. It's a yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There, there's some great dark side stuff. Superman the Animated Series, uh, voiced by Michael Ironside, who of course plays Lois Lane's dad on Smallville, and he does a lot of other great things. So, <laughs> but for the sake of this conversation, he voices dark side and that's, that's the best interpretation of dark side. Uh, so I, I would, I would point you to that to, to get a good, uh, vibe on who that character is. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think season nine's quite high up, probably three, two. And I'm trying to think whether five or nine will be third. I thought I very think. similarly back in the day. Um, yeah. Five With kind of dropped for underneath. me, <laughs> you know, actually during the rewatch. Because after I saw five at the time, I was like, this is the best season ever. <laughs> but now I'm like, yeah, kind of starts to stall after they killed Jonathan Kinoff. They thought it was going to be the end. 
and then yeah. it wasn't, and they kind of suffered from that. But there's some fantastic stuff in there for sure. Uh, but yeah, this would be in my in my top five. Se- an insane thing to say. Your top five seasons, right? One, two, three, five, nine. Like no question. What the order is depends on my mood, <laughs> but to me, those are the top five. Yeah, and um, and I think well, too fair. Season eight probably if the first half of season eight anyway, I think could have been. Yeah, if it was, could have been up there as well. I think, but uh, absolutely, yeah. But then Lana came back, and they killed Lex. <laughs> That's when yes. you talk about the anticipation of, of Lex and having to deal with him. Lana, knowing she was coming back, they had to work around that. You mm-hmm. know, they're they're doing this great thing with Clark and Lois, and they had to eject that. And then, you know, but this is true clean slate, creative freedom. You know the actors you have, you know the actors you don't have, mm. you know, and that kind of yeah. gave them a sense of clarity. And that's why three and nine, I always say, are like the the best mapped out seasons. With like, oh, I you started something, you had a plan, you executed that plan more or less, and you paid off setups. And uh, and here we are. And this this mid season finale, I kind of I showed my hand a little bit though. But um, where, where where are you on it? Before we jump into it, like. Uh, <laughs> I like. I think I like. I think I like it a lot more than you do. Um, okay. But I think again, if and that's probably because of where it is in the season. Um, to be fair, I've not watched post this episode since I first watched it, so I can't remember too much of what happens next. Um, and as I was watching the episodes leading up to this, um, I was remembering stuff I couldn't remember. But I do remember being quite impressed with at least the first quarter of the season. But what I really quite like about this episode is that. It kind of helps set up the se- like the end of the first act of season nine. So there's a very good strong milestone point, and then I think I think episode sixteen or seventeen there's a another another one kind of twist in the story, but it still feels like it's a cohesive story. It's the closest it's probably ever going to get to a twenty four season, um, <laughs> I think. But um, I really quite like how this kind of felt like it's it answered some stuff. But felt like a a third se- a, a one third season finale. Um, yeah, yeah, I, th- and I think that's one. that's part of the. Yeah, this will be a fun discussion. We'll see if you can 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 weigh back over to it because I'm like this seems like a kind of half baked season finale, as opposed to Bride, which was a mid season finale, which felt like an amazing season finale uh, mm-hmm. from the previous season. So that goes, just goes to show you, it's not how you start or even mid-season finale it's how you finished because <laughs> because to me bride blows this episode out of the water uh but then hey you, you got you got 13 more episodes to go after this so what are you gonna do with those and that, that's the question here but with that being said let's jump into it pandora welcome to our future <laughs> where everything has changed choices a lot of people died smallville an all-new episode next friday at 8 7 central on the cw hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Pandora the ninth episode of Smallville's ninth season. It aired on September 20th, 2009, written by Drew Landis and Julia Swift, and directed by Morgan Beggs. Now, these are names that did not stick out to me. I was like, who who are these people? I <laughs> their, names, their names just didn't really ring any bells for me. So the writers, uh, Drew Landis and Julia Swift, they seem to be a writing team. Uh, and they have written three episodes of Smallville actually, uh, Julia Swift uh, and Andrew Landis wrote Pandora, Upgrade, and Abandoned in Season 10. So this is their first of three episodes. And, you know, based on my memory, I think they get better every time. <laughs> but we'll, we'll explore that as we go. Now, as, as, as far as Morgan Beggs goes, this is one of three episodes of Smallville they directed. They directed one in Season 8. Bulletproof, one in season nine, Pandora, and one in season 10, Collateral. And maybe the opposite trajectory of the writers, I feel like their episodes got, <laughs> perhaps got worse. <laughs> there are three episodes, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it some here. I think there are some interesting directorial flourishes here, and there's some things that are kind of make me think, hmm, we didn't have a different take of that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but for such an important episode, you know, because premieres, finales, and mid-season finales, very important episodes. I, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? So, so no disrespect to these guys, but I kind of expect some bigger names to to be because this is like this is the time travel payoff of mid season finale, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, but and it's a writers' room, everybody's involved, right? But it's just strange to me that the like I didn't I didn't recognize these people's names at all, and they're they're in charge of what should be a pivotal episode. But all that being said, the ratings watch, Matt, you haven't done this yet because you haven't been mm. on the show since we started in season eight, but. What do you think the ratings were for Pandora in November 2009 on a Friday night on the CW? Now, for a little context, uh, the previous episode, Idol, 2.68 million, and the season premiere, Savior, 2.58 million. So it has been going up. It has been going up. There's been a little, is, little fluctuations, but the general upward trend. And this, is, and this is on a Friday, isn't it? It's on a Friday night in November, which here in the States around Thanksgiving season. Hmm. Is this is 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 that when sweeps usually is? Uh, November sweeps, February sweeps. Those are the big the big sweeps in the the, in the network. Is TV that shows. is that is that around is that around Thanksgiving or am I going right before that? Correct. Yes. Okay. So that this is the week before Thanksgiving. <laughs> this is going to be uh, what was the, what was the what was the ratings of the previous one? Uh, two point six eight. 
I don't think there's going to be that much fluctuation. I think they probably would have marketed this as, and I think it was probably before a break as well. If I yes, this is this yeah. is the mid-season finale. So the hi- winter hiatus, they're off for a good two months after this. I'm gonna go a slight uptick to probably two point seven five ish. Okay, two point four five. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason to these ratings, Matt. Uh, okay, it, it is interesting to follow them. They, I, I'm pretty sure, like any network, would be glad to have two point four six million nowadays. <laughs> exactly on the TV. So. We start with a previously on Smallville by Callum Blue. Uh, we get a little cliff notes of everything that's become before. We get Lois Tess and the Orb from Doomsday. It's, it's amazing to me they keep going back to this so heavily. Um, Lois being missing, her dreams. You, you get that shot of Sam Whitmer's body double on the lawn from Doomsday. They keep going back to that for some reason. Uh, Zod looking for, you know, looking for, understand why they don't have their powers. And then uh, you get the uh, flashes of the future. You know, just... Wilson Clark kissing, those sorts of things. So that really sets the tone here. And uh, the end of the last episode, we had a great moment. Idol was a really good episode. I really enjoyed that one. And it ends on a great Lois and Clark moment. And there's a kiss, and it's great. And then Lois has like a seizure. <laughs> and we pick up from there. And uh, Oliver yelling at doctors on the phone about Lois. And uh, he's going to uh, to fly in the country's best neuro MDs. So uh, does that count as a from Metropolis? Are we going <laughs> to... For the tally board, it's... I, I, <laughs> He's in Metropolis, so probably not. Yeah, it's it's the same. It's the same. It's like a cousin to that statement, right? Yeah, I'm not sure if it would count for a, for no, a no, Metropolis I, one. Though, just, I think, even though so. Smallman has they've evolved beyond that, that the writing beats are still there. Like, oh, I'm flying in the best so and so from somewhere. <laughs> so and yeah. where is that even? I'm, is that even a phrase? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. But Lois, no she's idea. been at the hospital. Right, so hospital visit plus one because they established she has been there. Uh, Clark took her there, but now she's missing, and there's no witnesses, and her paperwork's gone. And uh, Clark and Oliver immediately suspicious of Chloe, Matt. Yeah, I mean, before we do that, I'm I was quite a bit overwhelmed of like the very almost very rushed pacing of. The plot developments of Lois going missing. So yes. after watching Idol ends with the collapse, and I assumed there was a whole scene of her of them finding her missing. So like Clark goes to visit her in a coma or something, and then it's vanished. So it feels like there's a, a whole episode of like Erica Durant in a coma missing. I think so. Right? I was quite. It's it's very, but I very much appreciated the uh, the very almost on the nose exposition dialogue. <laughs> Yeah, it just tells there, you everything like, you need to know about the current status, right? Yeah, but it's but I find it a very interesting kind of decision to do that. So instead of showing like of the of every like Lois going to the hospital and then having like another cliffhanger of a, of a vanishing and going where she gone, which I mm-hmm. would have thought they probably would have done. It's just like they've condensed almost like a half episode, <laughs> half an episode subplot into some quite very clunky dialogue between Oliver and Clark. Yeah, that, that's what it is, man. Throughout this whole episode, there's stuff from like, well, that could have been a lot longer, or mm-hmm. that should have been a lot shorter, or how did we get here? Like, I don't, I'm feeling it's just something is off. Like, and these are, you know, the, the writers are new at the show. Uh, maybe that has to do with it, but that's the, the I picked up that same vibe, is what you're saying. Cause it's like, whoa, yeah. we're, I feel like I've missed an episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I've just, yeah. I've just been watching every, I've been taking meticulous notes doing a podcast. I'm like, did I miss an episode? Like, it, this is strange. Because you're absolutely right. How many times have they gone like Clark? We go into the room, or like this is how you start this episode. Like he's in the he's in the lobby, and he's talking to 
Oliver on the phone. And like, hey, we're flying in the doctors. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to do a check on her. He goes in, gone. Somebody mm-hmm. save, right? That's how you start the episode. It's, uh, it's straight. So to that point, right, the, this this opening of the episode has to keep going because he have to, yeah. they have to give you that that hook, right? So uh, Lois is being uh, dragged to a secret lab. Uh, so we think. We get an establishing shot later that shows it's Belle Reeve, which I'm like, what? This? <laughs> why are you there? That's not Summerholt, which is the technology you're using. You think Tess would want to do this at a Luther Corp facility? Um, I don't know, right? But she's being just dragged into this this room, and then and then Tess and Stewart, everybody's favorite hacker, Stewart. Um, a lot of a lot more expositional dialogue, like, "Oh, well, you've been spying on her therapy sessions and hacking her computer," and there's dumping all this setup. It's like they didn't set any of this up, and they're realizing, "Oh no, we didn't set any of this up." Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, and it feels like there's. Yeah, it feels like there should have been an episode between Idol and Pandora to have this kind of set up. So, like, if Lois collapsed, collapses, then you've got a, like a, a subplot where, like, perhaps Erica Durant isn't in it, so she just, or she's mm-hmm. just un- the character's unconscious. Meanwhile, you have Tess investigating why she's collapsed, finds the finds these things in the psychiatrist notes. Yeah, and then you end with the, then you end this like lost episode with Lois being missed, vanished. <laughs> that's vanishing. how you. That's the last shot, right? The empty, yeah. ho- the empty hospital. Yeah. and then you start out like Oliver's on the phone. We gotta find her, right? That's yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you, the then lost kind of episode gives... of Smallville. We we've solved it. Yes, but um, but to answer your original question, yes, <laughs> Chloe, <laughs> Chloe. <laughs> um, yeah, I think if there's. If I think if there's a, one of the big weak links of season nine is that the show has has no no longer has any idea what to do with Chloe, and, and then, apart from perhaps being the guy in the chair or being mm-hmm. like the proto Felicity, yeah. But but it just doesn't just doesn't seem. To, I, I'm not buying the. I'm not buying the kind of antagon, antagonism between. Clark and Chloe, but then again, I, I, I never, I don't re, I, I can't remember much of the second half of season eight. To kind of, well, that. if I were Clark, I, I'd be pretty upset with Chloe, uh, mm-hmm. for because it kind of everything was kind of her fault, frankly, and mm-hmm. and I don't think the show wants you to think that, and I think they keep painting her as like Clark's the one with the issues, and she's like, I'll take your apology later, right? Right? When later, I'm like, yeah, hey, Chloe, I am not liking your vibe, and I've defended you for years. <laughs> On yeah. this show, yeah, and I mean, it's not. I mean, the fact they said. I mean, I, I think then. I think the idea is that they frame or they say it's Emil Hamilton that's taken Lois when it's not. Yeah, clearly, I mean, like th- that's what you think. Oh, well, they know that we know Doctor Hamilton, so that hey, well, I'm Doctor Hamilton. Can I have some information? Right, you, you you assume that they fake a phone call. You don't assume that your friend and colleague like stole your <laughs> stole her cousin from yeah. the hospital. But that's a, but they just find on the last episode that she has these secret cameras around in Clark's house and all that. So I would, if I were Clark, I I'm on Clark's side mm-hmm. <laughs> of this. Anyway, I I do like it when they come into conflict because that's interesting, right? Because they've been so in lockstep for like you know years on the show. So that's interesting. I just make it where you can see both sides instead of like wow, like uh, Chloe, you're kind of overstepping your bounds there. Yeah, and it's it's it just doesn't 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 seem to like. And it, it it falls into the trope of 
making Clark look not as smart as he should be, which he, well, to be fair, he's like a common Smallville thing anyway, but like, and he kind of has to like have it, he goes, well, we didn't take her, it could have been Tess, and it's like, and it, you can just, you can just see him go, oh yeah. Oh, that never occurred to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's as, as, as um, Craig usually says, the big domalian. Big domalian, BDA. Yeah. Uh, so it's not Chloe, it's Tess and Stuart. And uh, they have hooked Lois into this machine. It's a com- this episode is a combination of a bunch of like reheated ideas. It's like Memoria, it's Fracture, it's it's uh, Lara. <laughs> Last mm-hmm. episode you run literally the same stuff, right? With the, the kryptonite um, uh, plugs that you plug in, and, and I don't know. It's, in the universe of the show, it's the evolving technology, and it's fine, sure, great. But I just feel like. I don't know. I feel like they just took a lot of tropes and like half baked them together, and 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 the mechanism for us to find out what has happened uh, in the future that Lois skipped or went to and came back, and we skipped <laughs> is they they plug Lois into a monitor and watch her dreams, and it's <laughs> ridiculous. And I find this mechanism just so I don't know if it's lazy. I don't. I just I don't know what to call it. Um, but. I didn't like the setup of, of, oh, this is how you're going to get to see it. We're going to plug her in the machine and we're literally going to watch some of it. And then Tess is going to plug herself in. <laughs> and it's not like a cool thing where Clark went into Lex's mind. That was super cool. That's a great, fantastic episode of season seven. This is like, literally, I guess she's watching what we see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you got a point there. It's like, it's, it's cause the picture looks like, like way back in like when analog signals were a thing where you had to, if you had a tiny, if you had a static and you had to kind of move, an aerial around a room to try and get a signal. And it's like, I, and it's just a case, oh, so, oh, let's let's just plug in the aerial into my neck instead and watch TV that way. I did quite like, um, and I did, I did note it, and I did realise that um, I'd written it in my notes the first time I watched it. There's a, there's a bit where um, Stuart says, oh, oh, is it because of this, this and this and this? And like, and then goes, oh yeah, because if you ask me to hack into stuff, I can't help but reading. And then <laughs> Tess goes, Stuart, Boundaries. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> pot kettle black. Come on. I think it was. I think it's still been played for trying for laughs and stuff. But I did quite. I did quite like the uh, the hypocrisy of of Tessie's statement there. Yeah, it's 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 absurd because like you're gonna go into her brain, but you're mm-hmm. mad that he read the files that you gave him to hack. Right? It's just yeah. that is that is funny. Um. So again, we, but we have to keep. Because we're setting all this up, you can't go to the open credits yet. You have to keep stretching out <laughs> this this opening sequence right of the episode. So they're they're looking at this. They're, they're seeing the things we've seen flashes on the screen, right? And they and and Tess's like, "Hey, wait, pause that. That's Zod's tower. We haven't released this the uh, schematics for that. That's not public. Lois did go to the future, and that that's what confirms uh, to Tess that, that that's what's happened." And then we just kind of go into what happened to Lois, uh, and we we see the, the aftermath of her fight with Tess, right? Where she where she put and, and dooms it. Just quite this is. I felt we I thought we moved past this, and it feels so weird to kind of go back and to explain. We've we've come so far, <laughs> and then we're having to go back into this silly subplot of this terrible season finale that I thought we moved past. And and Lois just this ring just kind of falls on her hand and she wakes up in the future a year um from where she was. She's in the Daily Planet bullpen. And there is no explanation given at any point why it took her there, right? 
uh, when uh, Cosmic Boy gave Clark the ring in Doomsday. I believe he said, like, this is programmed to take Doomsday a thousand years from now, send him to us, and we'll take care of him for you. And Clark's like, no, no, I'm going to deal with it myself. But they just ignore that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask that. that I'm pretty, I was watching it going, I'm, I couldn't remember exactly how, how it was, but I know that ring was supposed to send a, was supposed to send the wearer thousand years in the future. Yeah. Um, and it was like, it was a, and it was a year, and I'm like, and I yeah, there's not even like a like a wasn't damaged or wasn't like a mistake. Like it just they just make no attempt. To, I don't know what bothers me more. I mean, because there's stuff scattered throughout the episode like this, Matt, where it's like they either ignore stuff or they explain it just in a terrible way, and I'm equally <laughs> annoyed <laughs> by both. I think I think I think you are you are you are immediately selling me <laughs> selling me uh, your viewpoints on it. If I'm honest. Uh... I, I don't mean I don't mean too hard enough the top, but yeah. this this is this is setting the table for my like hmm feeling at the end of it, right? So mm-hmm. she wakes up, she she feels the the kind of cut on her head, and then she like realizes she's wearing a ring, which is an absurd reaction of like, oh, I didn't know realize I was wearing this very it's a that's a heavy ring, that Legion ring. It's got time travel technology in there. So yeah. uh plus one for let's do the time warp again, by the way, because she's in the future. She goes outside. There's a lot of for our world signs, which are to be assumed that the resistance of the human race uh, is kind of fist up in the air, like earth on it. So I thought that was a nice little little touch for the prop department. Um, she's walking around an abandoned street. Uh, direct, and the sun is red and huge. <laughs> and I don't know why the sun is so big in all these shots, Matt. The, the, the special effects team that brought you the uh, Metropolis skyline from Nicodemus in season one. <laughs> <laughs> brought you the red sun. If the sun was that close, we'd all die. I don't. Just say it. Yeah, yeah, I did say that. I think it's just to make sure that oh, something wrong, something's wrong here, and um, and you say oh, it's a red sun, and I can't, and I can't remember if they've established whether the show has actually established the red sun of Krypton yet. Uh, it has, um, but the Krypton had a red sun. And it establishes Clark's connection to the uh, Yellow Sun, how that gives him his powers. I'm trying to remember if man, I'm trying to remember if they've ever used red solar rays against Clark here, but I don't, I don't think they have. I'm trying to... I've watched so much Superman stuff, I can't remember when it was introduced here or not. Because um, I, because I can't remember whether the, whether the audience should, because I'm assuming like a general audience. There's probably, I think, a lot of people's first foray into Superman is probably going to be Smallville, so they're probably not going to have any idea of what the Red Sun is supposed to mean. Mm. And I can't remember. And I can't remember if the show had actually established that yet. So. They established the Yellow Sun is is a key to his power, mm-hmm. but they haven't. No one's shown up with like a red sun ray and shot him, <laughs> taking okay. his powers away yet. So interesting. It's just this understood thing that we know as, as Superman fans, but. So she's walking around this abandoned street, and then she's confronted by uh, Griff from season five, or Captain Pike from Arrow. Take your pick, uh, but uh, uh, Uncle Phil <laughs> in the Uncle. new Fresh Prince. Yeah, <laughs> I saw him, and I'm like, I know him from somewhere. It's fantastic. Where do I know him from? And my first thought was, Oh yeah, it's Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil, <laughs> the one That's who great. Won, the one who didn't play Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> the one who didn't play Shredder. I've not watched that. The new Fresh Prince reboot. It just sounded like such an absurd thing to I me. watched all I watched the I can't remember I, I, I don't know whether it's cancelled or not I can't remember if he ever got a second season but I watched the first season and it is it's interesting it's 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 an interesting 
experiment. And I kind of want them to, I don't want them to make any more, but I want them to try and do other gritty reboots of Full house. sitcoms. <laughs> yeah. or Family Matters. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or the, the one with, what uh, is Urkel from? Yeah. Family Matters. Urkel, yeah. Matters. Yeah. yeah. Basically do a gritty reboot of that and. <laughs> home Improvement. Please. Just do it all. Yeah, 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 exactly. A gritty reboot of the home improvement. <laughs> oh yeah. man, that's great. But um you know, she came out of the Daily Planet, right? Mm-hmm. But then when we see this shot of you know Kryptonia coming up to her, like the city is all in the background. I was like, somebody mixed up their background plates there. I'm so I feel like I'm ripping this episode apart, but <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but these are things I noticed. So uh she's confronted by uh, Captain Pike is all called him. He has a Kryptonian name. I'll learn it at some point before the end of the season. I do like how he Zod has this like you know small group of like inner circle Kryptonian people, and they're consistent throughout the whole season. No, Good yeah, on you. Yeah. Like that's the kind of stuff I'd always complain about about Trevor's popping up at Smallville High School, but they they're like no these guys work for Zod, and here they are all season. So I, I respect that. So you know how did you get out in this restricted area, all right? And where's your uniform? Oh, you're just a human, right? And he realizes that you know this person shouldn't be here and stuff. And she's like, the blur will stop you, you alien invaders. The the red blue blur. It's continuity. I mean, I think I've got a feeling that if she just said the blur, someone would go, Well, wouldn't she know him as the red blue blur? I'll see you there. And then I'll say she shouldn't recognize this S uh shirt flapping in the wind. Because he's like, Your red blue blur is dead. Look for yourself. And it's the death <laughs> of Superman cape flapping in the wind. Fair and she she looks up with some sort of recognition, like, oh no, but she shouldn't Red, blue, blur. How does this black t-shirt with an S on it mean anything to her, right? Now, it's cool to us because we know it's like the death of Superman flapping in the wind, the cape, and it's like post the battle with Doomsday. So that kind of all... That were, I, I appreciate those references, but um, it is continuity and then immediately is not continuity. <laughs> but then, finally, we get to the opening credits. That's a lot to unpack there. I feel like it's a really long teaser for this show. Mm-hmm. But... Cut the opening credits. We come back, and, and this is our establishing shot of Bell Rev or Bell Reeve. I've heard it pronounced either way. Uh, strange. I felt like they were like, "Oh, where are they?" And some of us like, "I don't know. Just pull something from the <laughs> the stock footage archives." And this is what they picked. <laughs> and Tess is like plugging in to Lois's mind, uh, which looks like it hurts. Like there's no, like I, hopefully they put some anesthesia there. <laughs> you just plug it into your temples, right? Um, Summerholt confirmed. Right, because Stewart's like, oh, should we have somebody from Summerhold here? Which is this might be the only time that we hear about Summerhold and Tess together. Because I remember the series finale, I was like, how does she know about this? With the whole memory wiping goo that she hit Lex with. Um, so I guess continuity points, yay! But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, she, she needs to see for herself what Lois saw, basically. And that's why she's going to plug herself in. So this is why we're, we're in we're in Memoria because we're getting memories. We're in Laro because of the machinery, and we're, and we're fractured now because we've got people in other people's heads. Um, but it's all just very, it's all very half baked because it's like here's some clips of <laughs> what she's. There's no like fracture like the, in the minds, in the memories. Very creative stuff. This is like here, here's some stuff. And you know what this reminded me of on every level. And I think this is why this episode initially underwhelmed me, and kind of still does is Heroes, right? Always slow to Heroes. One of the best episodes, if not the best episode of season one of that show, is Five Years Gone, where they go into the future, right? Yes. And you see the aftermath of everything that had happened and the status quo and things being paid off. And 
and you're in it, right? And there's stakes and, and, and you're really there and it was just so well, and the setup was so well done, right? Um, this was like, what? <laughs> like compared to, cause it came out around this, not around the same time. It had been about two years before this, I believe, but I compare that. Maybe that's not fair, but I compare it to that. And I'm like, Hmm. And also heroes that made me think of season two, you know, they jump ahead like six months. And it takes all season to tell you what happened, <laughs> right? And that's a criticism of Hero Season 2. And I feel like that's what this is. This is like, hey, remember that stuff that we set up at the end of Season 8 that we just kind of ignored? Uh, yeah, Lois was having her dreams and stuff. But other than that, like, so much has gone on that I don't care about this anymore. <laughs> and now we're back in. This is, you, you know what I'm saying? Am I being too difficult? Am I being too hard? Possibly. <laughs> possibly but I think what this... But I think what it's episode is doing, I think it is... I think if you, I think if you look at the mindset of this isn't an episode about Lois, it's actually about Clark and Zod. Mm-hmm. I think the the idea is, I think the idea is being that um, it's uh, having Clark change his tact of how to deal with the Kandorians, mm-hmm. um, and giving him a different way of going on. So, like uh, instead of going and fighting, which is what he did with Doomsday. Um, he's going to go and try and appeal to his fellow planet men or whatever the two, not countrymen, whatever the, uh, he's basically, um, he's, he's basically his fellow race. So, but an actor's like, an, and perhaps act as an ambassador for earth for these Kandorians or the Kretonians and stuff. Um, and I think that is, I think that's kind of a key aspect to it. So this will show you what will happen if yeah. if Clark if if Clark did what he usually does and just throw goes up throws Zod twenty feet and that's it. He's got an, he, he can't just do that. So he needs to do a different tax. I think this this episode is meant to do that, and I I like how the episode kind of gets to that point and it, it does reframe that by the end because I did as as critical as I'm being here. I did enjoy I did really enjoy like the last fifteen minutes because mm-hmm. to that point I think that does bring into focus everything you're talking about right. But here, I it just feels kind of I I, I don't know like they, they didn't they need to get to that message sooner, uh, and I, then I, I'm on board with you there because that does seem to be like like the narrative drive of this, which ends the the episode as well. We're back back in the future. <laughs> Lois is at a, a human prison camp at the Kent Farm for some reason, no explanation. I don't know why they've taken over the Kent Farm. Uh, uh, budgetary restraint, we, I think. We had the set. Is that yes? <laughs> the explanation, and then um, Aaliyah, who is the assassin from the season premiere uh she uh burns a person alive who steals which kind of establishes her as pretty hardcore and we find out how she got jonathan's watch because lois is there and she wants some food but she need, apparently all these humans need to trade something to get food and uh well like what do you have to trade and clark's like how about this and he gives her jonathan's watch and he's like it's all i have and uh that explains why she had Jonathan's watch. Now, I feel totally confident saying they had no idea about any of this when they wrote the season premiere. What do you think? <laughs> Possibly. I don't know. I think or either that or it's a case of, oh, let's set us up some stuff and then think about it or give us a challenge, try and set things up. But mm-hmm. I think what it probably... I think symbolically, I think it probably it's probably to highlight Clark's feelings towards Lois in that in order to survive to basically save her or 
he gives up his father's watch, which is probably his most prized possession. Which, he's- which Lois knows about. I like how she's like, why would you do that? You know, and it, I, I like that she knew the significance of that because I don't think they've ever talked about it, but I guess they mm-hmm. talked about it off screen somewhere. So I, I like that she, it wasn't just for the audience. It was the character. That was a big thing for her uh, as well. So no, the, 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 the item itself, I, I like that. It, it just I, I got the vibe in that when they wrote the premiere, they were like, oh, they were like allies in the future. And like he gave that to her. It's like a thing, right? And it's like, no, that's not what they did. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's just the vibe I got. Um, but but, but like, plus one for Clark, who's in his powers? Because we're under some red sunlight. Mm-hmm. What's a strange to you? Because we have we have some good conversations here between future Clark and Lois here. What's a strange to you that he never tells her a secret and she never figures out he's the blur this entire time? <laughs> yeah, um... like they know they're gonna reset mm-hmm. this, right? So just do it. Like we know she has amnesia, so just tell her. Like in in Tempest Fugitive, one of the best episodes of Lois and Clark, right? It's a time travel thing. Lois finds out the secret and they have some fun conversations with that. Maybe they thought that'd be too much to unpack. They had so much else going on, but it gets to the point where it gets silly that nobody tells her <laughs> that he's the blur. And th- or, this is, this was his first opportunity here is what I bring. Or it up. at least she works it out. Like she works it out. There, there's, there's quite a few moments where like even rewatching it like a few hours ago, I was like, I couldn't believe that. I, I, I assume that Lois, it feels like Lois already knows at some points, particularly when, particularly later on in the episode when um, basically Oliver, Chloe, and Clark are talking about the yellow sun getting it back, right? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's like, oh, and then suddenly the the script suddenly remembers that Lois doesn't know and goes, why would why would Clark the yellow sun? And I'm like, oh yeah, like I forgot that Lois doesn't suppose isn't doesn't know the secret yet, and I'm surprised she just doesn't click. Like I guess they're they're my only defense for this is like their plan was always to send her back in time, so they're like, well, we don't want to tell her my secret back then. Mm. But like, y'all, you're in a post-apocalyptic future. You gotta not worry about secret identities anymore because they're talking about. Clark tells her that uh, he tried to fight Zod and he failed and he made all the wrong choices. Which, to your point, Matt, is kind of mm-hmm. what the turning point of the season here, where he went from a couple episodes ago to like. Sorry, dead Jor-El. I know it was your last request, but I'm not going to save Zod to, oh, I think it's what my dad meant, and I think I'm going to do it. So that's a good turn for his character, but uh, there's just there's so much going on here. And, you know, it, she almost finds out that it's a year. A year has passed, right? I've just also, um, I've only just realized this. Clark's not seeing this bit. This is Tess seeing this bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, he, yeah. He sees the end, at least. Yeah. But yeah, he so, hasn't seen he hasn't seen this part. The lessons he's supposed to yeah. To, this is what I'm talking about, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> these are the frustrations. This this feels like a first draft. Mm-hmm. Like they had some good That's ideas. Bad, they, yeah, somebody should have been like, oh, well, he should have seen this and there, and that could have tied it all together. But through conversation, Lois finds out it's been a year. She mentions this ring, this this gold ring. He's like, oh, the Legion ring. Okay, well, protect the ring, no matter what. Uh, so, so by the way, this episode takes place on September fourth, two thousand ten. For those trying to <laughs> keep track of the timeline, if it's truly one year after the events of Doomsday, because as we established in Savior, it was three weeks after Doomsday, and that's on September twenty uh, fifth. So, when we were watching May two thousand, May two thousand nine was really 
September 2009. Uh, yeah, um, so, <laughs> again, I just quickly jumped ahead. There was an episode that aired on September 24th, 2010. Oh, which one? Yeah, Lazarus. So, uh, Oh, season so 10 this, premiere. So this, so this is taking place the same time as the season 10 premiere. Interesting. So, which yeah. which takes place immediately after the season nine finale. So, uh, one day I'm going to do that unified Smallville theory timeline. It's going to be a lot of fun, and nothing's going to add up. I guarantee you. So, <laughs> anyway, um, General Zod wants to see Lois. He's general now. I thought that was cool because he promoted himself, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nobody else in charge. Um, so they take Lois away, and uh, Clark tells her to protect the ring. And then we cut back to the uh, cut back to the present, and uh, this is when Clark confronts Chloe about thinking that she took Lois, uh, and this is that that conflict, you know. And Chloe's like, "Wrong girl, it's Tess that took Lois," and she says, "We can work on your apology later." I'm like, "Chloe, you're making it real difficult for me to still be a fan of you at this point in the show." So, I don't, I just don't like I don't like her vibe mm. about it about any of this. And she, the reason that she she pulled the file, I guess I guess she really did. Doctor Hamilton did call and get the files for Chloe. I guess I, I, I'm not sure exactly, but they find out that Lois has PTSD, and I'm like, that's not how the Force works, Matt. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's a like psycho 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 bubble or whatever it's called. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, yeah, but she's triggered by this and that memories and, and seizures. I'm like, no, no, you guys just didn't know how to explain this. <laughs> Did like, PTSD is a real thing. So don't just slap that on this. Like, come up with some other more techno vowel, right? Uh, but that that's their explanation for why she's having the seizure she has and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Stuart, which if you forgot, he's, he's a guy on the inside because Chloe blackmailed him a couple episodes ago. Uh, and now she's working for him. So she's like, I'm going to call my guy on the inside. So this and is Chloe's scene connection. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's good. And eventually we see that she does call him, but his cell phone's like sitting on a table and she <laughs> and he doesn't answer. But, but there you go. Which is why even put that in there if he's not if they're not going to communicate. Right. Strange. And, and I mean, like, why would you leave your phone in a viewable place with the caller ID? I mean, so that if Tess was working in the one place, I mean, why is Chloe Sullivan ringing you? Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have code names, right? Yeah, like mom, dad, you know, <laughs> whatever, right? <laughs> but uh, so we we flash back to the future, and uh, Sod's headquarters is still Luther Mansion, which is fine because he showed up there, and sure, that's what it was in the season premiere, and we'll just we'll go with that, right? But he wants to know how Lois got in the restricted zone, which makes sense. Because Dan is like, how did a human get in this area? And they're a threat to me and my tower and the source of my power. So that that tracks. And I like how she was like, my dad's a general too. <laughs> and I never told him how I got a tank to take me to prana. I'm certainly not going to tell you that. That's a good. That's a good Lois moment there. He's a big invader of her personal space, though. Here isn't he, Matt? Yeah, I noticed that he was very creepy. I think. But then again, though, I'm assuming that. But I'm assuming that's him trying to kind of unnerve her with with what. Because he's he's physically capable of just basically like snapping a neck with his pink little finger, so he, he's kind of trying to intimidate her, I think. And I, I think uh, Eric Durant, I think, does quite well in in trying in in one holding her own, but also showing a bit of unease and vulnerability, but mm-hmm. still 
it's all having that kind of like classic Lois Lane kind of like take no bullshit. Yeah. Which I think is common through pretty much any version of it. So it's very simple. You can see Margot Kidder. You can see Lois, uh, Terry Hatcher. Um, uh, oh, the, I've forgotten her name from Superman and Lois. Bitsy Tolick. Bitsy Tolick, yeah. Um, like doing things are kind of exact same thing because that's kind of like a fundamental aspect of Lois Lane as a character. And Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, I think, yeah, pretty, I think it's, it's a good Lois scene. I agree. I agree. And then Zod does find her Legion ring though. Uh, and he's like, what is this? And he, I guess, identifies it as something of value, so he keeps it. He he should have no reason to suspect that as a thing, but he does, and he keeps it. That's fine. But then Tess comes in, and then Lois calls her a traitor, and she says, I am this planet's savior. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Couldn't we have said savior at the, at the beginning? In the, in the season premiere that was called Savior, nobody said it. It's fine. Um, but Lois calls her an ego terrorist. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> And, you know, they, they talk about how, you know, they, they uh, Lois was seen talking to Clark Kent and they want Clark to join them. And that's the only reason he's still alive. And that makes sense. Zod has always, you know, always wanted Superman to be his ally, right, first. And then he's like, well, get out of my way then. And that's why they come to conflict because they're not, Superman's never going to align with him. So that tracks with this character. But then Tess and Zod have this conversation where they pretty much decide that, you know what, you know, it's been a year and Clark still hasn't come around. Let's just let's just kill them both, <laughs> and that's that's what they decide. So yeah, and and I I think as I think I'll bring it up now, particularly with season nine, I think a lot of my memory of Tess I think is colored by the like a kind of face turn during season ten, which I think is a lot, which I think is a lot more of an interesting. I think she, her role in the ensemble is a lot more interesting in season ten, which is when she's slightly more of an ally. Than um, antagonist, but you can easily tell that they had no idea there was going to go down that route with her here. So she's very much like a, a very weird, like anta- like villain, which but they don't fully know what they're doing with her in the long term. Yeah, I I was surprised too because I always in my memory I was like, oh yeah, season eight she's like standing for Lex and like, oh is she good or bad? And then by season nine, she's kind of their ally. But then that's more season 10. In season nine, they're still playing like her as the, because she just has her alignment with Zod and stuff. But, um, is, but is, is that view of Tess colored by the fact that we know where a character ultimately goes? So does, probably. Does it, so it might retroactively harm Tess on a rewatch. Because I think, because I do, I do like a season 10 arc. I think because it makes her a lot more interesting than perhaps if it was Lex still there. But yeah, I, and then tying tying her into usually I would be like a secret sibling. What kind of lazy writing is this? But that actually really makes a lot of sense and makes her place in the story work even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then her connection with Lionel and all that, like it all works very well. So um, you're right. I think looking backwards, they they didn't know what they were going to do with her until then. Yeah, and I think it kind of harms Tess as a character, but only on a rewatch. I mean, because without any prior knowledge. You can kind of see that. Oh, she's a villain. Yeah, so she yeah, does. Yeah, she's a villain. Yes, this this works and stuff. It's just that the kind of almost like Lionel Luther esque face turn just somehow <laughs> doesn't kind of work. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. So then they go out to the the Luther Mansion balcony because again we have the set. Yeah. And that's when they knight her as a Kandorian, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I'm not exactly sure. Well, it was in. It was like they probably thought of all this cool imagery, quote unquote. They put in Lois's dream at the beginning, 
Like, yeah, we'll have like Tess like kneeling before Zod or something. Okay, sure. And they're like, well, wait, why would she do that? <laughs> and she gets her dog tags. I love when they're done. Lois is like, he betrayed us for some crappy dog tags. Great job. <laughs> and she she does. If you look at Cassidy Freeman's, like she does look very excited about those dog tags when they're walking inside. She's like, yeah. <laughs> she was smiling at it at like an 11 she could maybe turn it down to a 5 they go into the the Luther library right and Clark is there I guess they pulled him out of the camp and uh, this is interesting this is the first proper scene that Clark and Zod have together uh, because they they had like like Zod watched Clark from afar at the end of Candor but that's it so like we're we're the the mid-season finale and this isn't even really them this is future them who don't exist anymore. So it's interesting how long they delayed this because, you know, in, in season eight, Clark and Davis were interacting constantly. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting to keep your hero and villain apart that long. Anyway, they just like, Hey, we're going to kill you. Right. And I do like this line that Zod, he pulls out his, the Kryptonians love their swords, even though they have their powers. They're just going to keep using these swords. I do really do like this line. He says, he says, I wanted you to join me on this new earth, but now I must bury you beneath it. <laughs> like, okay, I like that. I like that. And then right before uh, Clark gets executed, uh, Green Arrow busts in the Green Arrow Resistance and uh, shoots Kryptonite bows and arrows and everything, and kills a lot of these Kryptonian guys. He kills Griff. <laughs> Captain Pike is dead. I appreciate the that this is a scene where mm-hmm. um, the which demonstrates the utmost consistency of the power of Kryptonite. <laughs> because there's a couple there's like one or two little tiny little arrowheads and then you've got we must go there's too much kryptonite here yeah that was kind of weird (laughs) yeah whereas like clark i'm pretty sure has been in a room full of it and it's just like stumbled a section whereas like a couple of little tiny little rocks incapacitates about 20 kryptonians well maybe they haven't built up a tolerance you know clark has because he grew up around it i don't know is clark affected by kryptonite under the red sun He's not, no, he's he's probably not. I don't think he's not because the red sun you think would nullify kryptonite, the way it nullifies Clark's powers, right? The rules are all different in every interpretation of yeah. Superman. I don't know the answer. Uh, I don't think they know how the red sun works. Well, we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But um, you know, Oliver busts in and rips his mask off, and Lois is like, "Oh, I'm so glad to see you and your merry band." Robin Hood and his merry men. And he says, oh, well, it's not my merry band. And Chloe's in charge. Hardcore Chloe. There's an awkwardness between her and Clark and Oliver. And it's weird because, like, this is this is playing off nothing. We don't know where this came from, right? But, like, we, we, we hear about this stuff that they did, and but we never see it or have any knowledge of it. Like, last we know, like, Clark left and Field the Dreams down at the end of Doomsday. And I guess Oliver and Chloe were still around. Oliver, he was really depressed and quit being Green Arrow after season eight. So I don't, I, none of this really, I don't know, it doesn't really connect the way it should, in my opinion. I'll tell you what does connect, though. I think the first time I was, like, emotionally engaged, <laughs> maybe I was just nitpicking too much, and that's why I was emotionally <laughs> engaged. But the first where I really got started to get emotionally engaged in the episode was uh, Tess dies, and uh, Chloe shot her cold-hearted Chloe. She's like, I had the shot. I took it. And uh, Tess and Oliver had this moment, you know, between them because they have a history and 
they both get emotional. I'm like, oh, wow, that's like the best scene in the episode. One of the best scenes up to this point is the best scene, in my opinion, because uh, I really felt something there between these two characters because we had backstory with them. We know why they'd react this way. And that's why it hit me well. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I thought that was quite nice. That was quite nice. And I can, I completely forgotten about the fact that I had that history until they had that moment with that. And I think, well, I can't speak for Chloe. I think that perhaps... I do think that perhaps alien invaders invading Earth would probably be the the, the kick up the arse that uh, Oliver would need. would need. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I I could probably see that like if he's he probably didn't have time to get into a funk as much as that's true because it was immediate. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, Good so he didn't have that time to get into funk. So um, it was probably kicked in, and then when the red sun when the red sun probably nullified Clark's powers, then Oliver probably assumed that crap we. Our biggest hope has gone. Mm-hmm. We need set up, and if any, if anything, I'm quite surprised that not, none of the rest of the Justice League <laughs> turned up. You know, that's a good point. They don't mention any of that. Yeah, uh, th- this this is your days of future, past, future, if you will, on Smallville, right? So where's like the big <laughs> the poster where it's like Arthur Curry dead, right? Bart Allen missing, right? I don't know. Just mm-hmm. rattle off the. Wouldn't have taken them long. It's like. You could have said like uh, Bart, Victor, Arthur. So many sacrifices, right? That would have been cool. Yeah, I mean, because I think kind of forgot about them. Yeah, because probably the, the biggest chance of fighting the Gandorians would probably be Bart, because he's probably because mm-hmm. he'll be faster than any of them. Yeah. Um, so well, you, as you see in the Flash, you know, the movie that the Flash can hold his own against Kryptonians with no problem, really. So I still have yet to see that. So yeah, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I can. Not recommend that film to anyone on good conscience. So mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> main character death plus one because Tess dies. These count. These are the future. This these count. That's how I do yeah, it. It's so, main character death. Yeah, she she dies, and then uh, Oliver is burying her. Takes her dog tags. And Lois is watching. I guess Lois is watching just because we need this all to be Lois's memories, right? And we saw him burying <laughs> like with a shovel in the past. So good attention to detail there. Yeah, because it it has to be from Lois's point of view. Yeah, I, I'm glad they thought that through. Like, we don't see any scenes with like where she's not around, right? With that, and that's essential. Hey, good on Cassidy Freeman because she is laying there, quote unquote, dead as Tess, and then Oliver just pours some dirt on her face, and that's really her. <laughs> you yeah, know? I thought that was good on you, Cassidy. Um, and that shocks Tess awake in you know in the present. And she's okay. I've seen all I need to. <laughs> so that would probably shock yeah. you, Wake. Yeah. So, death. so I'm gonna I'm gonna make this something because this is Lois's memories. I'm assuming that she's actually seen them from the point of view from Lois. So she's not. So she's actually looking down at her own dead body. See this. This is what they need to establish. You know what I'm saying? That's why it's like half baked. Like they should have like done something along those lines i'm not saying it needs to be being john malkovich but yeah some sort of perspective right so like because then she probably would have been she probably would have been shocked away when she saw her death just slightly bit before not when she right yeah but also also i I bring that up because we because i want to if 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 whoever's connected to lois is seeing from the first person view that's gonna. This is that's gonna make what happened in about ten minutes. Oh no! A lot more interesting. <laughs> I just remembered <laughs> where you're going with that. Oh my goodness. Oh man. Maybe that's why they didn't do the POV thing. Yeah. 
Tess is actually actually very shaken by this. She's like, oh, wow, Chloe kills me. Okay, well, anyway, um, I've seen all I need. Uh, Stuart, use the machine, erase Lois's mind. She needs to not know any of this stuff from the future. And Stuart's like, uh, that could like make her comatose. Like, we can't, we can't do that. Or catatonic, we can't do that. It's messing with somebody's mind. She's like, okay, hey, uh, do it. You work for me. And he's about to go do it. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then she just shoots him. <laughs> like, wow. Poor one out for Stuart. No, he survived. Um, I'm surprised they kept this character around, honestly. I thought he'd served his purpose here, but uh, yeah. but but apparently not. Yeah. And um, it's weird because Tess shoots Stuart, <clears throat> and literally 30 seconds later, Clark shows up. <laughs> and she totally, it's a total Lex thing. She's like, spins it around. Like, Stuart, he went rogue. He captured Lois. I had to shoot him. I had to stop him. And he just has no time for her BS and throws her across the room. It's great. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's not a knockout to keep Clark's secret, is he? No, but I, I am going to count Stuart as a knockout to keep Clark's secret because mm-hmm. he's been incapacitated. Um, but no, Tess already knows his secret because she, uh, because Clark uh, hold her in a chokehold 10 feet in the air mm-hmm. <laughs> in Candor <laughs> to reveal his secret. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not playing no games anymore with, with Tess. Uh, but hey, talking about there being too much kryptonite, Matt, this room is full of kryptonite. It's yeah. everywhere. And and Clark is just kind of stumbling around. And he he goes over the machine and starts to unhook Lois. But then we see, like, when he takes the the tab off of her, it, it goes into his hand. <laughs> and then he is now connected to Lois. What what did you think of this contrived mechanism to get him involved here? It, it's a contrived mechanism. <laughs> It's not, um, yeah, it, it doesn't really make that much sense, I don't think. Like, why would you pick it up and then kind of put your hand over it so the spikes stick into you in a room where you kind of, you know that you're vulnerable to stuff? It, Yeah, it's... Well, I remember, I remember, I don't recall exactly what we said, but in Laura, like, he touches the machine part that's connected to Kara. And I think we were like, did he see what she saw? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I guess the answer is yes. True. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But it's important. See, it's important for him to see this because that's the, that's the. Uh, I'm glad you framed it that way. This that's the, the, this is a character shift, a turn for him from where he was a couple episodes ago to where he's going to be for the next few episodes about dealing with Zod, because they have that same kind of conversation again. You know, Chloe and Oliver and Clark and Lois and uh, Clark talks about how he tried to stop Zod alone you know, as an enemy and it didn't work. Right. So he does see this message or this lesson uh, that he learns. Um, so they talk about, they have a big plan. They're going to shut down the tower and, uh, bring back the sun. And that gives Clark the best chance to get the ring back. So they can send Lois back to the future and stop all this before it happens. Um, it's just very, I mean, this is time travel one oh one. Again, like I just, it feels so, it feels so kind of half baked to me. But this, this would have been, this is what I'm saying. Like this, just talking about like missing episodes. This whole plot should have been like stretch this out. This should have been a two parter, right? Where like the crux of it was like we gotta plan this heist to get the ring back from Zod or something, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's so simple. <laughs> like by the by, but them getting it back is so easy later on. But here's the thing, right? They talk about the red sun and Oliver kind of explains, Oh, well Zod's tower that turns the sun red and that radiation gets beamed back down, uh, to earth. And that gives Zod and all his people their powers. 
I'm like, that is not how the Red Sun works. Like, I don't. They they did a great job explaining why these clones don't have powers. So it's Jarrell put blue kryptonite in the orb, even though kryptonite shouldn't exist before krypton explodes. But fine, mm-hmm. <laughs> he put blue kryptonite in the orb. I don't understand how the Red Sun would give them powers. I get why it takes Clark's powers away. Like, if only this feature existed and Clark didn't have powers, everything would be, I would, I would track with it much easier, right? But then how do you, how do these Kryptonians take over everything if they don't have powers? I guess it's the idea, right? So you gotta mm-hmm. get, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if their plan was, oh, we have a problem here, the son of, son of Jarrell is here, we need to neutralize him, we're gonna turn the sun red, even the playing field, he can't stop us now. Great. But the fact that they all have powers, I can't get past that. And it's always been an obstacle for me to enjoy this plot they've laid out for us, Matt. Because I don't feel like they explained it very well. Is that based on like the wider mythos of Superman in that like the Red Sun's supposed to not give them powers or No, it, it doesn't give it doesn't do anything but take away powers. Like because because Clark has powers on Earth because there's a yellow sun. Mm. Like in like in Superman two, right? He goes into the chamber and gets red solar rays, right? And his powers go away. The end of Superman 2, right? He goes in the chamber to protect himself, and guess Zod and his people get hit by the red rays, and that he's protected, so that's why he comes out and crushes his hand and saves the day, right? So you're telling, why would, <laughs> you, you, understand, you understand my problem mm-hmm. with this? I cannot believe nobody thought of this. Like, throw in some techno babble or something, but like, to counteract the blue meteor rock, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is here. Mm. But this is not how the red solar rays work, so... <laughs> I, That's I, my issue. Yeah, I think from that side, I can see the issue with it. But I do like it as a conceit in that. But I'm I'm quite surprised that it 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 was used this early, uh, this early in the season. There's like, oh, we neutralize Kyle, and then we get all powers and stuff. I quite like that idea, as because this because that does that does feel like it's a season end. Yeah, season end of plot where like. like- it's all building to, towards that, yeah. Yeah, where Clark has to kind of, be, like, be human because, or to solve because, because I think that's one of the key things I think, and one of the kind of endearing parts of Superman is that he's always, even if he loses his powers, he will alt, he will still act as much as what he, he will still act as if he had them. So yeah, he would. So he will try his best even without his powers. And that's that's what's that's a consistent thing throughout the course of this series. Yeah. You know, and he's always done that, and that would show. And season finale, season nine, that's exactly what happens. It's mm-hmm. him, Zod, no powers. It's great. I love it. But here we are. Uh, that's their that's their explanation. <laughs> I was wondering, did I miss something back in the day? No, I did not miss anything. They just decided that this is what they did. There was some magic, whatever, in the Luther Corp satellites. Maybe they gave them their powers. I don't know. Whatever. We got to move on from it. But to me, that's a huge that's a huge obstacle for me to like just <laughs> accept what they're showing you. But Chloe's going to use Watchtower to put a virus to shut down Zod's tower to bring back the Yellow Sun. And because we all know with the Yellow Sun back, I'm your best bet. Getting that ring back, Clark says. And then and then suddenly, you know, as you said, Lois is like, hey, wait a minute. What's the deal with Clark and Zod? Why is, why is he our best chance? And Zod and I have history. That's what he says. <laughs> I just, they just, they've gone back to like pre-season eight Lois. They're just making her dumb. And because like, as you said, she should have figured it out. Yeah. And then, like, they're insisting on her, like, being one step behind. And it's like the adults are talking over here, and she can't know all the secrets, and she's over there. And it, it doesn't service the character well. So it's like, um, during your season eight coverage, where, like, I think you, you'd got really kind of annoyed that they did the same thing with Jimmy, where it's kind yes. of like gaslighting. 
like, like gaslighting Jimmy a bit and, and just like where the character should be smart enough. But I mean, but I think perhaps with Jimmy, it's even, it's probably, it was worse with Jimmy because Jimmy had actually figured it out, worked it out, <laughs> figured it out. And they actively said, no, you're, you're bonkers. You're crazy. Whereas like here, I think the kind of, it's kind of almost criminal, the crimes of Lois, crimes against Lois Lane as a character <laughs> that she hasn't worked it out because I think Lois Lane as a character is smart enough to have worked it out. The only thing, I, maybe they're in their mind, like she was shown, quote unquote, that the blur was dead. So she wouldn't think Clark was the blur. Yeah. Or or it might be the case that they they were saving the one the to reveal. save. The reveal. Yeah. They didn't want to do yet another Lois finds out and they erase it because they did that last season. They did it in season four very briefly, but especially last season, Infamous, they did the whole, oh, you tell me, how'd you, they don't have time for that either. Yeah. Because <laughs> they got a lot going on. So, but then, but the side effect is that, of that is she just seems like five steps behind and it's, you don't want to see Lois Lane be five steps behind. So, but hey, we we have a really good Lois and Clark scene after this. Um, he's, uh, you know, splashing around and cleaning himself up and, and she comes in and they, they I like this I like the scene and he talks it's, about how he he just couldn't be around Chloe and Oliver because they reminded him of her and he lost his way and I, I like this this is a good emotional scene between them like again this is the perfect opportunity for him to tell her his secret he just doesn't do it mm-hmm. we could die tomorrow they say we could die tomorrow right and then he says Lois I died when you left I was like oh that's good <laughs> you've been sitting on that one if I ever see her again He's got a notebook of like lines that he's going to use. But so, so they have this whole like, hey, we might all die tomorrow. Let's leave it all on the table. So let's let's have sex, right? <laughs> That's what they do. It's it's uh, great that it was not the first person perspective that you said because that would have been super weird for Clark. So thank you for pointing that out. But um, then again, but then again, though, I mean, if he's seeing Lois's memories, it's, they're not going to be third person. <laughs> So Clark has so Clark has a memory of um effectively having sex with himself. I I would tell Dr. Hamilton, like, hey, could you erase that? <laughs> Please. That's awkward. So, um, um I mean I, I I if if I'm wrong, please let me know. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's a very weird uh Yeah. Th- Maybe this we shouldn't be, think th- about it too much. This might be the strangest thing I've discovered in my rewatch podcast of this show uh so thank you for that <laughs> glad to help and it's you know it's it's a pretty it's a pretty steamy sexy between the two of them right we've been seeing clips of it throughout the whole season what was most interesting to me though is they kind of skip over some stuff like uh it's it, like i believe the, the opening scene of idol is like the morning after scene where she gets up and looks out the window and he goes up behind her and he hugs her saying like, i wish we had more time right and they just kind of like fast forward through that. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, this is the episode where you're supposed to see all these things in their proper context. And I know we've seen it before, but this is a case where I'm not going to complain about seeing it again because this is where we're supposed to see it play out. You, you follow me? Yeah, exactly. And again, you probably just didn't have this, enough time to put it on screen. Which yeah. I think falls back on your, maybe it should have been two-parter. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, see, Smallville, most of the time when they did a mid-season finale, it was like, did you, like, as you've been pointing out, like it closed like one chapter and set up the next kind of thing. But sometimes it was a true two part, like, like asylum and shattered right in season three. That was effectively a two parter. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like the 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 circumstances of those episodes were tied together, and you could do something like that as well with with this one. Um, and I think that might have been we might have been the stronger for it. I, I don't know, but um, but then uh, Doctor Emil, as they continue to call him, which I just find hilarious because they call him <laughs> Doctor Emil because there was the first Doctor Hamilton, and I guess they don't want to say <laughs> Doctor Hamilton. As if anyone would remember at this point, you know, from seven years previously on the show. But uh, you'll hear Chloe call him Dr. Emil again in this episode. It just makes me laugh. But he's trying to he's trying to wake Clark up. And uh, Chloe doesn't want him to do it because Clark needs to see what's happening. Like this, this, this is just them continuing to like push Chloe's like hardcore Chloe. Right. That's the only reason mm-hmm. they have this conversation. So, so that's in the present. Let me go back to the future. And then what is this like rock? score when they go to Watchtower. Did you find this amusing? It's like, bow, 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 bow. it's like some supposed to be some badass, like we're back right at, at the Watchtower when, when, uh, when everybody goes there in the future. Oh the, it, yeah. It's the, um, the team hero shot of them walking in to, to like reactivate Watchtower. Yeah. Oliver pulls out the bow and arrow, honey, I'm home. And yeah, he had plenty of crossbows I... though. <laughs> but yeah. And I think thinking about it, I think this is something like, as you said, it feels too easy. Like they yeah. get to watch territories. I mean, they did. They did well. They did see the fact that they said that they turned Watch Terror off as not to find, so that the Kandorians would not be able to find it. So mm-hmm. fair enough. But it just feels a bit too easy to activate. Um, right. Lois Watchtower. walks out of the Daily Planet for two minutes, and she gets found. Right. The four of them who have just escaped in a battle with all these people, no problem. They just walk into downtown. Like that's what I'm saying. Like this. This should be like a big like Ocean's Eleven heist kind of situation where like you're going to do this and I'm going to do that and we're going to find a way in here. And that's what you build up to this. And all the ring is here and we got to distract him so we can get that. But it's all just so easy. Yeah. And, and exactly. Yeah. And the fact that they kind of the whole cru- crux of the episode is done there like two minutes later. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's just. Strange. I mean, what? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you explain that bit and I'll, I'll make my point. <laughs> Um, we see footage from around the world and it's like just chaos and stuff. And apparently Zod is taking, just to establish she's taking over the planet, you know, and the monitor's there. And then Oliver, uh, gives Lois, a, for the woman who has everything, perhaps a reference to, for the man who has everything, the famous Superman story, a meteor rock knife. We're still going to call it meteor rock. We're not going to call it kryptonite. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll use that later. And is it? Slightly random question, sorry. When is the last ter- time someone refers to it as Meteor Rock, not Kryptonite? So That's a good gotta... question. Because so you're going to pe- run out of people who don't know the secret at some point. Yeah, I mean, I just saw it and I was like, oh, I'm surprised that Oliver called it Meteor Rock. And I'm like, because everyone just starts referring to it as Kryptonite. And I'm just wondering. I feel like in season 10, in the, in the Earth 2 episodes with Clark Luther, they might call it Meteor Rock. With like Oliver Queen bought up this place for meteor. I feel like that might be there, but uh, we'll keep we'll keep an ear out for it. That is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll be. Yeah. I think that'll be interesting. So, and if listeners want to keep it keep, keep score as well, because I'll be fascinated to see when like when like a season wrap on the term meteor rock. Yeah, yeah that's a series wrap of <laughs> meteor rock, rock, which always sounded funny to me. I I, I wish Doctor Swan had told Clark that hey, you know all that meteors that was fragments of Krypton right back in Rosetta, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, in the next episode, Visitor, they're just Pete and Clark are having a conversation. 
And Pete's like, you just want me to slip a meteor rock on him? And Clark's like, it's called kryptonite. And I'm like, dude, like, that's some heavy information. <laughs> that's pieces yeah. of your planet, and you're just being so nonchalant about it. Uh, C-R-Y. No, C-R-K-R-Y, whatever, actually, right? It spells it. Anyway, and that's a cute reference to Superman the movie where Lois spells it wrong. But I'm like, to me, that would be a huge revelation to know that, like, if I were Clark and all these meteorites that are around my town that make me sick are part of my planet that blew up. <laughs> That's kind of like game changing information. And if he's just some flippant line, mm. KRY actually, Pete. <laughs> anyway, not to go down that tangent there, but that just that reminded me of that. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, and again, too easy, right? Chloe is hacking an alien security system. This should be like the end of Independence Day. Jeff Goldblum's on his Mac, and, you know, it's not <laughs> hacking the alien mothership. Chloe's like, yeah, take that, Master Control, which I think is a Tron reference. David I'm Warner. Sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I've only watched Tron once. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Tron Legacy also, you know, I should watch that again sometime. Um, Tron, those Tron movies are fun. But I, I think that's a reference to Tron. I don't know. But the fact that she just pushed a few buttons and there was no, you got to have like people coming in. Okay, again, I'm going to go back to the five years gone episode of, of Heroes. Like you have like Siler and Peter fighting on this hallway and this door about to explode and they're trying to do a, like you have the ticking clock of the stakes like oh we gotta get out of here before this right and this is just people just walking into a room flipping some switches pushing some buttons there's no there's no uh, stakes here and I guess yeah we know that Lois gets back okay but you could have done could it you could have created more drama is my point and the question I've got is and maybe I've missed something but why couldn't they have just done that earlier i can't see how clark and lois being there changed well clark well yeah i guess they could have gotten clark anytime but they were on the outs with him they just the whole point of it was if the red sun goes away clark gets his powers back but, but you know what if the red sun goes away zod is not super powered so that also helps so, see that's my point this all works better if they don't have powers and the whole point is to get superman back right yeah but i i, I just can't see why I can't see if they if they, if it, all it took was to walk into Watchtower, push a button. Why couldn't they have done that a year ago? <laughs> right, because no, no one of the new people, Clark and Lois, did not help them get to this place. They're just yeah. normal people. Man, I feel like I feel like I'm making you like it less instead of you making me like it more. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. And I love season nine. I've been talking about it for years. I'm just this is there's some issues here. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, so then. They're all running away. This is what I understand. What happens? What happens here? Where does Clark go from here? Where is he right now? Good point. The next time we see him, Zod is dragging him through the street. When did that happen? Because we see Lois running away from Watchtower. We see Chloe running away. But Chloe runs away too slow and gets killed by uh, the assassin. Because she loves using her sword. So it's straight through with a katana. Main character, that's plus one for Chloe. And then Oliver shows up and scares her away. But I, 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 where's Clark? Mm-hmm. <laughs> did he go Did he go find Zod? I was like, hey, pull me into the streets. Great job by Erica Durant acting for Chloe's death. Allison Mack, uh, kind of, not that, not that I've, I've seen Chloe die on the show before. Oh, I'm much better. <laughs> She's just kind of, ah, you know. Oliver has to remind Lois, though, that, hey, she's still alive in the past. So we got to achieve our mission, keep going. So that's good. And this scene right here, I don't know if you recall this, Matt, but back in the day on Christ on Infinite Earth, 
I took this splice of the scene and I posted it on social media. I'm like, hey guys, check out the Smallville scene from Christ on Infinite Earths because you have Red Skies. You have Eric Durant, who was already confirmed to be in it, right? You, Green Arrow's in it, Justin Harley. Like, oh, okay, I guess they got him back, right? Because we had seen the costume already. So, And then you see t- Clark's at the tower, right? The, 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 the anti-monitor has towers. Mm-hmm. You see these hordes of shadow people who are the... <laughs> I'm like, it's perfect. And I took it out of the concept. I feel like a lot of people like recognized it and were like, oh, that's funny. And a lot of people are like, oh my God. And I, I feel <laughs> kind of bad, but kind of accomplished that I that I fooled anyone with that. I thought that was pretty good. Do you remember that at the time at all, Matt, or no? Oh. This was years ago now, so no, it's okay if you don't. <laughs> I got vague memories of it, but because I, I remember because this was the time where like when he was confirmed, I think that Tom Allen was coming back and stuff. Yes, and yeah. And people to... knew that he was going to be in it, yeah. Yeah, and everyone was saying, oh, what's going to happen with Smallville stuff, blah, 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 and stuff. And, um, no, I think I remember that tweet actually. Yeah, and like yeah, uh, good times. I, I think I don't know what night I posted it at, but I was like, "Hey guys, check it out." <laughs> I felt kind of bad, but I was like, "Look, y'all, if you know the show, you're gonna know what this was from." Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, Justin Hartley was busy on This Is Us. I don't think they, as I understand it, they didn't even ask him. Which is like, come on. Actually, um, bringing up This Is Us, um, his reaction to like when he's holding. Um, Casty Freeman and he's kind of like grieving. That's him getting ready for Kevin. <laughs> yeah, Kevin. This, this, I've, this I've... whole his last three years on Smallville just an audition tape for that. Yeah, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an addict. <laughs> he's crying. <laughs> he's getting arguments with his friends. I, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I've only watched the first season of This Is Us, but I was like, but and I, I was watching it going. I can't remember you being like being this good on Smallville, but yep. then. But then, like there, there are moments he probably doesn't have the chance to. I think right. So he's just there to look pretty, look pretty, and just yeah. glare at uh, Tom Oliver. Welling. Yeah, um, but then he gets these moments, like his reaction to like uh, Tess's death, and I'm like, oh yeah, I, 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 I can, I can see perhaps why he got how he got. This is us. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely, yeah. and uh, he should have. I don't know if he got nominated, but he definitely should have got won some awards, like Emmy awards or something. Just he was he was just fantastic on that show, mm-hmm. and he just took it up to another level. And uh, and again, not that he was ever bad on Smallville, but he just didn't have the opportunity and have that that emotional material to deal with because he was more of a foil for Clark and like a romantic love interest for some of the other characters. And like, hey, I'm your hero guy, and yeah, and, um, and anyway. yeah, and yeah, and he and he was like had plenty of romantic relationships with female cast members, which I'm pretty sure he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't mind, but uh... <laughs> but um, yeah, very three hundred here, right? We got a guy with an archer, like all these. Uh, our shadows will block out the sun that we will fight in the shade. And uh, Oliver's last stand against, like, I don't know, the thousands of Kandorians. I've, I'm giving up on my not the last son of Krypton count. I don't know. Maybe we'll get a number by the end of the season, and I'll readdress it then. But I'm in, like in the forties or something because I don't know how many there are. Look like there were hundreds in this shot. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to do, do screenshot game and <laughs> I don't have to but... count all these blobs. Interesting. Uh, speaking of Zack Snyder, because Zack Snyder is the blueprint, uh, they shot this on the streets of the sets of Watchmen. Uh, all this stuff outside with the destroyed uh, streets, because Watchmen had just wrapped production up there in Canada. Smallville and some other shows, as I understand it, too, had access to it, like the, the kind of kind of like destroyed streets and stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, okay. And uh, so again, Zack Snyder truly was the blueprint because they're using his sets for this. I was like, it adds, it's definitely, not, I don't know what they would have done without it because that little cul-de-sac set they have <laughs> would not have cut it. They weren't going to destroy those buildings. So I think that was a, just a happy, uh, 
happy happenstance when they can share that kind of stuff between the movie division and the TV division. So that was pretty cool. It added some much needed scope. To yes. This. Um, yeah, there is some dodgy green screen a little bit, kind of especially when Zod and Clark are talking. It's like kind of obvious, but uh, right. <laughs> yeah, particularly watching this on Amazon Prime, which I think I don't think it's full K, but I think it's full HD. And, it, and to be fair, when it's not green screen, the show looks amazingly well done in HD, except when the green screen kicks in because you can easily see the lines. I think that's what it is. I think it's the the cutting back and forth really draws attention to it. But you know, they're doing the best they can. It's Friday night on the CW. <laughs> Season nine, you know, give him a break. But again, we see Zod dragging Clark to the street. He's like, Metropolis would not have been destroyed if you had stopped fighting and joined me, right? So he's, this is what he's telling Clark. Again, Clark is the one seeing all this, by the way. And he tells him goodbye, son of Jarrell, and he kicks him into like 300 feet. You know, this is a human Clark at this point, so he would be, you know, incapacitated uh, with a super kick. But then that's when the sun turns off. And uh, I was like, oh, oh, man. Is this is this our is this our general? Would you care to step outside moment for Tom Willing? Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't. It's like your reign of terror is over, Zod. <laughs> so it's it's not as bad as haven't you ever heard of Freedom of the Press? But it's certainly no journal. Would you care to step outside? But that's the setup of this moment, right? Yeah. Then again, though, Superman is quite straight laced. He probably doesn't. He probably doesn't have time to try and make a quip. Yeah. Yeah. Considering how considering how emotionally. Uh... Mostly taxis probably is at the moment, but um, yeah, I, yeah, but, yeah. I think it's quite interesting. But yeah, it's 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 that moment where he's got his powers back, and so the Kandorians don't have their powers anymore because they can't. That's very important, time. isn't it, Matt? It's yes. established that they don't, right? Okay, good. Yeah, just hold on to that thought. Um, I will, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> so Clark foolishly lays out his entire plan to Zod. He walks up to him. He rips his pocket off. He takes the ring back. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send Lois back in time. He's gonna, she's going to stop any of this from happening. And dude, what are you doing? You know, like you, what, you, you're just giving away your plan. And then Zod straight up stabs him with a, a kryptonite knife. Was, was this Lois's? I was confused. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the, it's Chekhov's knife. It's a Chekhov's but knife. How, when did he get this? Um. Um. Because Lois is hiding <laughs> in the right. I'm com- I'm confused. No, that, was I that not paying attention? <laughs> no, yeah, actually, that's a good point. There's more than one knife. Fine, but like they show you this one, and he uses it right. I, maybe I missed something. I'm sorry. Maybe I was looking down, taking my notes. But uh, it sounds like you were confused too. So that makes you feel better. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I don't think. I can't remember who gets it. But look, it is kind of poetry. It rhymes with a finale, right? Because Clark does get stabbed by a blue kryptonite knife by Zod, right? And then he wins that time. So that's the the, the finale kind of makes some things here work better for me than the other ones. Where I'm like, oh, I see they what they did there. Okay, cool. That's so I give it credit there. But then Zod says, "It's like if she goes back in time, our lives will cease to exist, and you'll have destroyed our world." And big meh for me, because that line is to explain why in the premiere, in the season premiere, uh, Aaliyah, or whatever her name, how you pronounce it, sorry, <laughs> but she, the Kryptonian assassin, tells Clark, I have to stop you from destroying our world. Like, well, she didn't hear Zod say that, because she super sped over there after that. So that is their way of like, see, we we thought it through, y'all. I was that lazy. I don't like, I don't like it. I don't like it. They clearly didn't know 
what was going to happen here when they wrote those lines. Um, and so they have the yellow sun, right? Yeah. So, so is Clark dying? Like, Zod kind of twists the knife and stuff, but all you got to do, like, Clark pulls the green kryptonite knife out of him. So just throw it away and you're fine. They they act like Clark is dying here, Matt, don't they? Yeah, they do, actually, yeah. So, like, whether it's supposed to be a case of that he's just going to, they're just killing off Clark because they have, the, they have the opportunity to kill Clark. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's very clear because he has his powers and they don't. So I don't know. And Lois is like, what if I never see you again? And he's like, you will take the ring, go back in time. And I guess, I don't know. Like he, he doesn't tell her how to use it. He doesn't program. He's just kind of holding it. I don't know sure what the, the mechanism of the Legion ring. I thought was all about like concentration or program. I don't know. I don't know how it works. They don't know how it works. <laughs> she doesn't go back to where she came from though. She goes back to th- three weeks later. What's that about? No explanation. But the worst part of it is, as you mentioned earlier, Matt, t- t- tell us what the worst part of all this is. Yeah, so um, there's Aaliyah then turns up and super speeds to touch the ring and then vanishes. So, so that's how they explain her going back in time to appear in the premiere in Savior. She's also wearing a mask for no reason. Because she wasn't yeah. in the premiere, like what was that about? And also, also, I've just I've only just realised this. She has powers in the. Aaliyah has powers, doesn't she? In the yeah, under the yellow sun in the. the That's was... a serious problem. Yeah. She well, they shouldn't have had powers at all in the premiere, but she did, and they didn't explain. Like I'm like, okay, cool. I'm sure they'll explain all that. And they explained either nothing or did it extremely poorly. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but yeah, but yeah, but I mean, there's that as well. But the, yeah, the highlight being is that even though all the kind of Clark has his powers back, Elias still has her, pe- right. still has her powers to, dr- to do super speed to the, even though she shouldn't. Like she could have just been there fighting with Zod and no super speed. They went out of their way to violate their own continuity. <laughs> But mm. she has the powers in the in, in the premiere, so uh, anyway, that the stuff frustrates me. Yeah, and then we kind of cut that we see Lois on the tram that she was on the train, and I guess as I conjectured earlier, I guess she gets a concussion from this train accident, and that's why she forgets her memories of all this. Hmm. Hmm. That's just what I said. Yeah. <laughs> you see my disappointment and my frustration. Yeah, like, no, yeah none I, of this I, was. I can't, I can't argue again. I can't defend the argument. <laughs> I was waiting for them to explain all these things, and they just totally ignore them. So, but yeah, that's that's the end of the memories of the future. The Clark sees all these, and then, and then uh, Doctor Emil techno babbles about how he went into her cerebral cortex and blah 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 and anything she remembered in the machine she won't remember now so amnesia count plus one so she's not gonna remember anything that's 100 percent blocked now those that trip to the future she's not gonna have these dreams she's gonna be fine so that's that's their techno babble way of explaining it so thank you dr emil amnesia count <laughs> plus one we come back to Lois and Clark back at work at the daily planet and uh, hospital visit plus two because apparently Lois just got out of the hospital yeah and I, I think I've been pretty consistent with that. Maybe in the past I've been like, well, we didn't see them. But I, I know for a fact there's some episodes where they've said 
so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so are at the hospital, and I have counted it, so I'm going to count it here. So she gets two hospital visits. Um, and she has uh, hypoglycemia, and she's got to eat sugar, and she's eating the muffin. But you know what? I've been very critical of this episode. I've been pretty much tearing it apart <laughs> the entire time. The, the last five minutes, I actually really love the last five minutes of this episode, Matt. No, yeah, totally agree. And um, yeah, the, the kind of like quite sweet dialogue between Clark and Lois. And I think it's, um, actually, I think it's a maple donut, which I think she's <laughs> eating. Um, and the only reason I know that is because like, we don't really have them over here. I'm, like, mm. so I'm assuming it's just like a normal kind of jam donut, but with maple syrup in or something. But uh, he goes, oh, "I've got to eat three. I've got to eat every three hours." <laughs> and like, and we're, uh, there's just, but there's, I just, I just love Eric, how, how Erica Duransk performs. Like, uh, performs that line like it's like the best news she's ever had. Just, I've got to eat every three hours. <laughs> else, else, I'll collapse again. I'm like, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but I yeah. really love uh, what Clark says. She's like, "Lois, what are we doing?" <laughs> He's like, Lois and Clark. Clark and Lois, as a couple. Let's do it. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just getting my feet under me. And he's like, well, uh, lean on me for strength. I feel strong when you're around. I'm like, Clark, because he's great. These Write these down, y'all. Like, study this episode for the things Clark is saying to Lois. These are things to tell your significant others. It's fantastic stuff. Um, she's like, well, I've been doing this dating thing wrong so many times. Like, well, let's do it right. And I love how she's like, okay, we're going to have coffee. They're going to have lunch. They're going to have chalupas, and they're going to take me to a monster truck rally. And they go in, and she's very excited, and they go in the, the elevator, and then she holds his hand, and the door's closed. That's that's just adorable. I really love that stuff. No, yeah, definitely. It's a nice, nice um, end for the episode, for well, for the Clark and Lois section of it, anyway. Yes. Because uh, then we go to the Watchtower, and Oliver's like, you know, because you all have friends who can tell when you're in a better mood, when things are going well in your life in certain ways. And like, hey, man, uh, you, look pretty, uh, you look pretty chipper for... <laughs> Everything that's happened, and Clark's like, oh, Lois is back, the sun's shining, life is good. So they, you know, he had a good time with Lois there. And uh, Yeah, and then Clark goes, plus I saw how good I am at, um, you know what? <laughs> that's 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 why he's really in such a good mood. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Turns out I am that good. <laughs> she enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think I don't think they realize the ramifications of that, Matt. But <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Incredible. Chloe comes in and, and call, calls Dr. Hamilton Dr. Meal again, which again makes me LOL. And uh, they're commenting about Lois's hospital room. And she seems frustrated that Clark sent Lois five dozen roses. I'm like, Chloe, just stop it. Stop it. Are you, are you jealous? Are you happy for your cousin and your best friend? I don't get this jealousy. It's petty. It's straight up season two, Chloe, and I don't like it. I think season nine, Chloe, has has a dartboard with Valentine's Day cards. So on Valentine's Day, she'll be throwing darts at a dartboard. <laughs> like, going like, I hate Valentine's Day. Cursed you, Clark. <laughs> she also has bad advice, too, about like how yeah. what Clark should do about Zod. And she's like, I don't know how you two are in such a good mood. We knew the world's going to end. And Clark's like, hey, we got a second chance here. Like, I did you time travel, you know? <laughs> like, we can change mm-hmm. the future? That's the whole point of this, right? So I really like his attitude here. He's like, hey, I think I figured out what my dad was trying to say with save Zod, save him from himself. And I tried to fight him as an enemy and it didn't work. We tried that. So now I'm going to try to befriend him and show him because they kind of had like a real watered down. Speaking of the Zack Snyder, you know, on that set of Watchmen, they had a kind of a watered down Man of Steel conversation at the end there. Like, and he's like, we could have built a new Krypton together. Right? Him and, and, and Clark's like, it already was a paradise. And I'm like, oh, okay, man. it's just a very, 
you know, third grade level version of the conversation they had in Man of Steel, frankly. But Clark's like, hey, we tried that. It didn't work. I'm going to try to befriend him and show him that, you know, Earth is worth living for and humans are good. And like, that's that's a good optimistic outlook. And I like that. Mm. And of course, like hardcore Chloe over here wants no part of it. But Clark's like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And I I respect that. Yeah, no, I quite like that. And and again, it's the Superman way of doing it because he doesn't, because like you see, what he's just to like basically again the ambassador for Earth, yeah. Like the, the what well, the Kandorian ambassador to Earth is Carlel, um, and it's yeah as you said the, the ever optimist, like he has to try it, and I do think, and I think in a certain light, and I think this is quite, and I think this is what I think is quite interesting with the Clark and Lex relationship, and how I think Smallville does well with its with the antagonistic relationships is that I think Clark sometimes has the better intentions, but then perhaps might shoots himself in the foot and kind of encourages or through misjudgments, Clark pretty much sets up his, his own enemies, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I think that's what, and I think we're not, and I think we're not at this point, but I think later in the season, I think Clark will probably do that again. Um, very similar to what he did with Lex and probably makes slightly, incorrect decisions and basically ends up setting up his own enemy. And I think going back to what I was arguing at the start of this, at this episode of the podcast episode, it's the show kind of establishing a lot more of an interesting long running dynamic between Clark and a future enemy and exploring how the foundations of that, of their future relationship that they're destined to have um, comes from both sides. So I quite like, and I quite like how this starts that aspect of the Zod and Clark relationship by starting them off of trying of Clark trying to be earnest and honest and say that, look, I know what you're here for. Why not see what Earth can do? And and I think, but yeah, and I think eventually, and eventually, it's going to be like Zod's going to be quite jealous of the fact he's got powers and stuff. And mm-hmm. I think, and I think Clark. And I think Clark's downfall is that I don't think he's fully mindful of that. Um, yeah. And I think, and I like how that's set up. And again, highlighting, I think, that Smallville is much, much better when its main focus is Clark's relationship with the antagonists. And the best scene in the finale, the Clark and Lex scene, again, between the between two antagonists, and I think that's, and I think, it's, and as we get, and I think that kind of caps, the end of this episode caps off why I think season nine is much better than the others. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it, it's half. a great scene and an unexpected scene at the end, frankly, because you, you cut the Zod and, you know, current Zod, he's with all his troops and he's like, you do this and you do that. And like, like get through the city council and the infrastructure and like, because they're trying to get these, towers. we must build this tower. Right. And, and then we get, we get to Aaliyah. At the end, you and we never hear what he was going to tell her to do. But she got these really striking blue eyes, so we know it's her. Uh, not wearing that mask though. That mask was mm-hmm. only then going back in time, worrying on the train, so they could find a clue in the season premiere contrivance. But anyway, you hear this, the super speed, and everybody kind of like looks over. And I really like how Callum Blue like kind of takes a moment and like kind of smiles and realizes what what's happened behind him. Like Kal-El must be here, and he turns around. It's just great, great shot of like you know Clark. He's the blur. He's in the full blur costume. He's like, here you're looking for me. And he's like, my brothers, kneel before Kal-El. And they all kneel before Clark. And you can tell Clark's like, oh, I didn't expect this. And and notice everybody kneels, but Zod does not kneel yes. before Clark. 
exactly. Because I, I couldn't remember that bit. I couldn't remember if he nailed or not. Nailed or not. Um, and I was like, oh, does he nail as a sign of respect? But he doesn't. I, I couldn't remember either. I was wondering, I'm like, oh, of course he would. Of course he would. And that, that says a lot. So. But, but I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting. Like, I think, I think we still would have been able to... I think it would have sold and remained in character if he'd knelt as a, a, a manipulation tactic. Mm. Or to, a manipulation no, he's tactic. too prideful. He's not going to do it. Yeah. To no one. Zod kneels to no one. Mm. Um, but what if, what if, I'm like, yeah, you just got interesting and now you're going to end and be off? Like, <laughs> you know, like again, the last five minutes of this, gold. But just, mm. it was kind of a mess getting to this point. But, but, and hey, and that's the mid season finale. What, what a note to end on. Mm hmm. Right, because now your protagonist and your antagonist have, have finally met properly, and where are we going from here? And, and he's going to try to befriend him. So that's a very interesting thing to set up for the rest of the season. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Smallville Season 9 on Blu-ray and DVD. Between two worlds. You sent me here to fulfill a destiny. Between two lives. Do you believe in fake loss? One hero must decide his destiny. You have no idea what you're up against. Now, Season 9 soars with amazing extras that take you into the heart of the Justice Society of America. Smallville Season 9 on Blu-ray and DVD September 7th. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pandora. <laughs> I have to say that like Stephen Lang from Avatar. <laughs> You're on Pandora. <laughs> That's how I say it in my head whenever I hear it. But Pandora got an 8.8 out of 10 on IMDb. And Neil Bailey from the Superman homepage gave it a 1 out of 5. And here's a little bit of what he had to say. Quote, I am unsurprised at this stage that Smallville has lapsed right back into crummy plot like this. But it still hurts after the faith I put in the last few episodes. I mean, when you look at it the way that Tess has Lois kidnapped and then shoots a guy before leaving the scene of a crime, a guy who lives, and yet she's not in jail, you know they just don't care. Heck of a note to go out on for a while, too. Too bad. So yeah, he, Neil's really not been enjoying Smallville for a while. I mean, mm -hmm. there's been a few, like, beginning of season nine, he, he had some spikes. If you really love Candor, for example, I think a lot of that had to do with his Superman fandom and how much you saw there, uh, the reference to the movies and things, but uh, he's back to not enjoying the show, but I pose the question to you, Matt, on the letter grade scale, what would you give Pandora? I was, <laughs> before we started recording, I would have given it a B. B slash B plus, 
So I think, so I do think that as I think it kind of, it's ambition of, of having a kind of closing the kind of future storylines. It's, it's there and, and it's something that I think Seasons of Smallville doesn't do that often in terms of feeling like it's got an enclosed arc. But I think you have kind of sold me on a lot of more of the inconsistencies of it. This isn't going to be like Redux when I've tried to defend it. Uh, <laughs> um, or at least try to explain why I think Redux should be better as it is. But yeah, I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm going to have to drop to about a C minus. I think you've got, I think a lot of the logistical planning, logistical planning of the story beats that you've raised kind of, you can't defend it. And there's a lot of kind of plot holes and kind of like, Questions like, for example, I mean, they could have turned off the red sun with that virus at any point. <laughs> there is no reason why they could not have gone to Watchtower. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Like just like little kind of logistical moments, which feels like they've got, it feels, yeah, it does feel like a two part story meshed up into one because of just so many different things that are meshed together. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to drop and give it a C minus. Yeah, I feel bad. I, I feel like <laughs> I haven't been this rough on an episode in a while, but I mean, it, they needed to deliver on a few things and they just ignored them or, <laughs> you know, just botched them. I think a lot of the important things they set up and, you know, I do give them credit for not, I would have been real, man, imagine this was like they're building towards the finale and this was that, right? Or if they went back to the towers, but they take a whole nother direction. Like they, they, they do these towers for a while and then they in that and to kind of turn left halfway through the second half of the season. I think that's a wise decision not to try and repeat this exactly. Right. So to that point, yeah, I, I too am going to give it a C minus. I, I had actually had given it a slightly higher grade before we started talking. <laughs> as I just, as I got into my rants here, I was like, no, no, I can't, I can't give you any higher than that. I think, but uh, C minus is for both of us then, which is man. Like look at that season eight completely goes off the rails. And I gave bright like an A in the mid season. Now here, <laughs> I'm like season nine, one of the strongest seasons. The mid-season finale, C minus. Come on! But now that we're done with all that, we can move past all these like time loop inconsistencies and really get into what season nine, to your point, is probably really all about between Clark and Zod. So there you have it. Let's get to the tally board. It is a big one. Um, amnesia count plus one for Lois. That brings us to sixty-nine. Clark loses his powers plus one because of the red sun. Uh, that brings us to fifteen. Hospital visit plus two, because we hear that Lois is in the hospital two different times. That brings us to 141. Knockouts to keep Clark's secret plus one, because Stuart gets shot. <laughs> so Clark can show up and have superpowers. That brings us to 56. Let's do the time warp again plus two, because we see Lois uh, go to the future, and then we see Lois and Alia go back from the future. So that brings us to nine. And then... Main character deaths plus two because we see Tess and Chloe both die in the future. That brings us to 23. Bechtel test. What do you say, Matt? I can't think of a scene with two females talking to each other. It's more gr more group discussion. Like Lois and Tess talk, but there's people around. Chloe and Lois don't have a scene by themselves, and Lois is incapacitated in the future with Tess, so, or in the past, so the present, whatever. So mm. I, I actually I think it's a fail actually. Yeah, I can't think of any. Yeah, I think it's a fail. Well, there you have it. That is Pandora. So Matt, always a pleasure talking small with you. If people want to find you out there online, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me online 
I don't use Twitter as much as I did before, but you can, if I'm ever on there, you can, well, X or whatever it's called now, uh, <laughs> I'm under X and Matt or, and other social medias, actually, Instagram threads that I've started using. You can find me through my different podcast, which is Pick a Disc, where, he's, where I talk about music gearing up to five years. So yeah. <laughs> five years old um, in January. It's been weird that I've consistently, my last few appearances on here, I've had the same, I've had the consistently same, same project, project, same podcast. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, another one that I do is called Ask Us About Loom, which is about point and click adventure games, uh, interactive fiction and the like and stuff. Um, just about finished season two of those. So there's been about six or seven episodes where I've talked about video games and stuff. I'm also a, a regular co-host of a Red Dwarf podcast, the British sci-fi comedy show called Shipwrecked and Karma Towers, where me and a few friends, rotating kind of co-hosts, talk about the sci-fi comedy Red Dwarf, which is 35, 36 years old. I, I have seen clips of it, I guess, on, on our PBS station here in the States over the years. That's my only experience with Red Dwarf. If you showed me the characters, I would know what it was, like the angular yeah. robot guy. Yeah, Christ. I'm like, yeah. yeah, Red Dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks again, Matt. And that's going to do it for us this week, but stay tuned next time when we talk about Disciple. But until then, always hold on to Smallville. Hold On To Smallville is part of the Always Hold On To network of podcasts and brought to you by listeners like you. Chris Fuchs, Kevante Chillis, Joey Deanberg, DJ DeWinna, Isaiah Goodrich, Corey Moore, Nathan Rothatcher, Atif Sheik, Thomas Navin, Andrew Parker, Adam Sullins, Madame Rouge, Mark Foppen, Patricia Carrillo, Tim Miller, Michael Hartford, Jim Crawford, Casey Vach, Megan Rich, Bree Humphrey, Alex Hamilton, Matt Douglas, Matt B, Daniel Curiel, Bish Bash Bosch's Lemon Pledge, Jan Rollins, DeAndre, Nathan McKenzie, Steve Rogers, Molly Ficarella, John Curcio, James Lee, Joe Michael, Jason Davis, Patrick Bravo, Jacob Stevenart, Dana Bias, Alex Ramsey, Tay Tay, Merrill Smith, Darren Kirsch, Dylan D'Antonio, Nick Ryan Magdoza, Eddie Bissell, Jim Thomas, Clunk Kant, Nicholas Fanzler, John Long, Ruth Ann Cruz, Ken Hui, Molly Woolett, Nicholas Casso, Jared Gibbs, Anthony Anderson, Jazza McGilly, Keith Falls, Rob O'Connor, James Hart, Anthony Desiato, Crystal Cross, Jake C., John Switzer, Travis Kill, and Kieran Kumar. Thank you so much to all these patrons. And you too can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash alwaysmallville with one S. Hope to see you there. Always Hold On To Smallville's theme music is by Lance Laster, and our podcast art is by Tom Gerke. You can follow us on Twitter at alwaysmallville with one S. You can find us on Facebook at Always Hold On To Smallville. And you can send us an email at alwaysmallville at gmail.com once again with one S. Thanks for listening. <laughs>